Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Welcome to the Colonial Conversation. I am Pastor Ben, and I am joined today by Pastors Brandon and Andy. And we are talking about a topic that is probably on a lot of people's minds, and that is, uh, (laughs) what do we do? Uh, Specifically, what do we do with our time uh, during this crisis? A lot of people are stuck at home, and I've seen a lot of posts on social media and other places where people have just kind of uh, wondered, all right, now that I'm stuck at home, what do I do uh, with my time? What do I do for fun, and how do I use the time well? And so our theme for today is studying what it means and what it looks like to redeem the time. Now, that's a phrase that comes from Ephesians chapter 5, and so uh, guys, as we get started, let's talk about that for a little bit. Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. What does that mean? Well, redeem, I guess, is the term that we traditionally know means to be to be bought back. So we're taking the time that we're given and uh, allocating it as best as we can. I guess allocate's a big word to start with here. but <laughs> Yeah, as I was just kind of looking through Ephesians 5 again, uh, there's just a couple commands that I, I noticed and highlighted about how we're supposed to walk. We're supposed to be followers of God, walking in love. Then in verse 8, uh, we're supposed to walk as children of light. And then verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And really, another exhortation for us is not to walk as fools, starting in verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly or carefully, not as fools, but as wise. And then it continues with that exhortation, redeem the time. And that word really has the idea, I studied it out, to make the best use of, to make the most of. So we're supposed to make use of time. And I think uh, really, if, as you study this passage out, it's talking about life in general because it's limited. Life's a vapor. Um, but then verse 17, wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So I'm supposed to use the best use of my time with wisdom and not as a fool. Yeah, wisdom really does seem to be the, the key there. Uh, verse 15, like you mentioned, walk circumspectly or carefully, not as fools, but as wise. And then verse 17, wherefore be ye not unwise. And so, you know, the thing about wisdom is that it's, not always these black and white categories of this is this is evil, this is good. O- oftentimes it is, but a lot of times wisdom is trying to say, okay, how what does right look like in this situation? And when it comes to using our time, um, I think a lot of people, I know myself included, what does using my time wisely look mm-hmm. like in this context? Um, and the word that comes to my mind as you're saying that is discernment. Yeah. Like I was studying recently that's when Solomon first asked God for wisdom to rule the kingdom and the word there actually means discernment. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what we're going to be asking about how we use our time are questions of discernment, which is an aspect of wisdom. Yeah, I mean, that goes right into verse 17, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I've got to discern what God's will for me to do during this very unique time where I do have some extra time. Um, and really kind of an application, whatever time and circumstances God has given me, I'm called to use, use it to its fullest, to make the most of it. And I, I do think it's interesting, you know, there's an implication there then, God does have a will for how I use my time. Yeah. You know, uh, it says understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't waste your time. God, God has a plan. And wisdom is asking, okay, how exactly is it that I figure out what God's plan for me is? So as we kind of move on into the next section, I want to broaden this out a little bit. And we really have kind of two opposites that that we could, Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like thinking, you know, driving down a very uh, steep uh, road with very steep cliff on either side. And that could be, on the one hand, we are called to rest. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, we are warned about laziness. And so I think 
I know an issue that I come back to time and again, and I think one that probably a lot of people are wrestling with right now. What is the difference between rest and laziness, and how do I know where one begins and the other ends? And then also, how do I be productive when I can't leave my home? And so we'll kind of uh, talk through all of those. But let's start off, and let's start with a positive. Um, yeah. uh, what does the Bible have to say about the theme of rest? I think we can go right back to the book of Genesis and see the example that God gave us in creation. Um, God created on the six days and on the seventh day he rested, the idea of Sabbath there. And uh, God didn't need rest as the all-powerful. He was, he was leaving an example that on a, on a weekly basis, in a sense, that we have that time of rest. Um, but he worked six days and rested the seventh. He didn't rest seven or six and then, you know, but. Yeah, and I think that um, I noticed that too, that the pattern is laid out for us in Genesis 2, 1 through 3. And that word for rest in that passage really means rest. Um, to cease or desist from work. Um, and the pattern is six days of work and one day of rest. Um, so really we've got to figure out what does that rest mean and what is, how does that play out in our lives. And um, rest is not laziness. And you've kind of already talked about that razor's edge there. Um, but rest really is refreshment. And in the Old Testament, the Sabbath was a time to refresh, to recharge, to focus on the Lord, to worship Him, um, and to cease and desist from work um, for a day. Um, but again, we got to keep the, the balance there between work is six days and rest is one. I know um, when I was uh, wrestling through this, something that somebody said to me that was really helpful um, was that when we use the word recreation, to think of what that actually means. What is recreation? Well, if you break it down, it's literally re creation and that the point of our rest rest is not an end in and of itself and i think for many americans that's kind of the way they think like i live for the weekend i do Mm -hmm. all of this stuff so that i don't have to do anything and i think really the biblical uh, model is is a little bit different and it's the idea that i rest so that i can be refreshed so that i can be recharged Mm -hmm. so that i can go out and and work productively uh, on behalf of the lord you know for a christian work is not a dirty word it's Mm -hmm. it's our high calling Mm-hmm. And so thinking of it in those terms was really helpful for me because if I make rest and refreshment and recreation and end it in and of itself, then it's going to grow too big because I'm going to want to put as much of my time as I can towards rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where laziness comes in. And instead, what the Bible is saying is that I need to be thinking of rest as uh, refreshment, uh, recreation, uh, preparing myself to, mm-hmm. to then be ready to go back out and to serve the Lord because I do need rest. And God's made our bodies such that uh, we need that, and that's a really good check on our own pride, and it humbles us to realize I can't go forever. And I think in that pattern, I, you see the purpose as well. It is that it's not self-indulgence; um, it is almost a spiritual refreshment and a physical refreshment to go back out to produce for six days and to do what you said, recreate, um, and following God's pattern of of work and labor for six days. Um, and that that was a good purpose I saw in that as well. That my purpose is not rest in itself. It is rest for the glory of God so that I can work for the glory of God. Good. Um, Let's go ahead and move on then. And let's go kind of on the opposite side and let's see what does God's word have to say about laziness? What is laziness? Uh, How should we think about laziness? Uh, Proverbs obviously comes into play quite a bit here. Proverbs has a lot to say about laziness. But uh, as we think biblically about rest and laziness. What is laziness and why do we, uh, what does God's word have to say about it? The first passage I always think of is, is you mentioned Proverbs, but in Proverbs 24, 
um, where it says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And uh, and they just go on to describe what this man's yard, in a sense, uh, looked like mm-hmm. and uh, how little jobs kept getting left behind. And as a whole, the whole thing looked horrible. And uh, some of the comparisons I've heard people make is you walk by the bedroom of the slothful and you look around and you see everything that stacks up. But it is true, just those little habits, it's kind of funny. I'm giving one illustration from my mom. So, mom, if you're listening, enjoy Boy. this. But she always says, touch it once. As in, when you had something at the house, you always had to just touch it once. If you put it back where it belongs now, then you don't have to come back and touch it later. But there's a, there's a, it's the opposite of diligence. It's letting every little thing fall. But when you ask what passages come to mind, that's definitely yeah. the first one. For I me. think that is interesting, too, when you think about uh, laziness. The, the tough thing about laziness is that laziness is, you know, some sins, they ask for a lot up front. Laziness asks for very little. Laziness asks for five minutes, mm-hmm. just five minutes longer than you should mm-hmm. be. Um, okay, well, how about just another three minutes? You know, YouTube has that stupid, you know, suggested videos on the side, and you look and you're like, well, just another five-minute video. Oh, that one's only three minutes. And the next thing you know, it's been half an hour, and you're like, whoa, what did I, <laughs> what did I just do with my time? And th- I think that's one of the dangers of laziness is that, it's, I think you're exactly right, Andy. It's the little things that add up. It's, okay, I'm going to put this off. I'm going to put that off. And before you know it, you feel like you're being crushed by all the stuff that you have to do that you need to do. And now it feels like I've got, you know, five hours of work where if throughout the week I'd done 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, it would be a very different scenario. Which brings us right back to the concept of redeeming the time. Mm-hmm. And when we were told that earlier, it's, it's redeem the time because the days are evil. Um, there's no such thing as a neutral intake for our spiritual walk like as in when when you keep watching a youtube video five minutes five minutes five minutes it's five minutes more of what the world is thinking Mm. constantly so it's an it's an intake problem we're either eating healthy or we're not and in our spiritual walk it's not all that different so even those five minutes add up to another five minutes to another five minutes ended up being a very unhealthy spiritual day by the end of it yeah and I, i think just thinking about that definition of making the most of that time Laziness could be viewed as making the least of that time. <laughs> it's, you're, mm-hmm. you're not redeeming it. You're wasting it. Um, and it's, it's not for anything of earthly profit or even for, especially for eternal profit. Um, passage that I always think of uh, is in Proverbs 6, and it compares the ant and the sluggard. Um, and God tells us to consider the ant. And then verse 9, the warning, How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. And that talks about what you just did, Ben. The promise is just a little, and it becomes yeah. a lot. Um, and then here's the warning. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Um, and there's consequences for laziness, and you're going to have nothing to show for it. There's going to be poverty. It's a waste of time, making the least of our time. And I think the point of that proverb too is that it starts off so small and it mm-hmm. ends so big. And you don't you don't see it happening because it happens so slowly. So, you know, what happens, let's say, you know, two people inherit a field, um, to use the, the biblical image, and um, you come back after one day and one person has been diligent and one person, has, the other one's been totally lazy. How different do they look? Well, they, they don't look that different. Um, but I tell you what, you come back by harvest time, Boy, they're going to look different. You come back in two years, three years, five years. And that's the danger is that we don't always see what we're losing when we're being lazy because it's we're, we're giving up what we have in, in such little bites that we, it, you don't get, it's not until you get to the end and look back that you see, wow, I can't believe I just lost all of that because I chose to be lazy. 
I think one other thing, one other passage that influences my thinking too, is in Proverbs twenty six. And the lesson, I'll just tell the lesson up front, but it's that our laziness makes excuses. We make excuses. Mm-hmm. So in in Proverbs thir- or twenty six, it says, "The slothful man saith, there's a lion in the way, a lion in the streets." Mm-hmm. A pretty absurd excuse. This is a the next verse is convicting for all of us who want to press the snooze button. As the door turns upon its hinges, so does the slothful on his bed. That has often been one that's come to my mind when I turn over in the morning. It's like, uh-oh, I don't want to do this too many more times. This verse is convicting. <laughs> and uh, and I think even later on in verse 16, it says the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can come up with excuses in the moment that feel really good for the snooze button or to continue wasting that time. But then we step back and we think, yeah, that was really a, a horrible yeah. reason. They don't normally work as well on our spouses. I have found that. <laughs> you don't want to say your excuse out loud. <laughs> no, but I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been in that situation, but I've definitely been there where you give an excuse for why something isn't done or why you can't do something. And even as you're giving the excuse, you're thinking to yourself, this is just yeah. trash. <laughs> Once it comes out loud, I'm not even buying my this own isn't excuses. Cut it. <laughs> Takes a, a stern look and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll go take care of that. That, that shouldn't be a problem. Um, Good. Any other thoughts on about what God's word has to say about the theme of laziness? I mean, we could we could be here for a long time, <laughs> especially if you read through the book of Proverbs. A verse that I kind of remembered was Proverbs thirteen four: that the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Um, and when we are lazy, we we tend to be covetous as well and want mm-hmm. what we we don't want to work for. Um, we want things to be given for us. But then the promise that the tendency of this proverb, what typically happens is the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Um, and God does give us satisfaction. And we're created for work. And so when we're diligent, it's satisfying as well. Yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, let's put these two side by side then. And let's ask the question, when does rest become wrong? I think we hit at the heart of it, even uh, discussing this earlier, but when selfishness becomes a part when we forget the purpose for our rest when it becomes a self-indulgent rest then we'll keep indulging mm-hmm. um, but and often that ends up leading to neglecting important responsibilities yeah. we neglect responsibilities to our family to our occupation to our walk with the Lord when those that's kind of the telltale sign that's the red flag that pops up when we realize we're neglecting a responsibility mm-hmm. that should draw us back to our heart and say why was I resting the way that I was why did I and most of the time, if, it's very simple. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? And if we love ourselves, then we'll we'll indulge our time as, as we want to. Yeah, and I thought of some of the same things when we're self-indulgent, but also when it does lead us to ignoring God rather than focusing on Him. And I know in my life, this is one thing I've, I've got to fight against. I can almost set up rest or the weekend as, as an idol for myself and any idolatry sin. And so when you are living for the weekend... It, it becomes wrong when that's what you're, what's you're looking to for your satisfaction, your comfort, your rest. Um, you start res- uh, shirking some of your responsibilities, and uh, just trying to keep that balance in play too. Um, I try to view my Saturdays at home as like I get get work done at home day, uh, as opposed to I'm just going to watch TV all day, <laughs> um, because to me that I, I'm convicted about that as sin. My rest has not stayed biblical, it's turned into laziness. Yeah. And I think even as you mentioned that, there's different types of rest. And this isn't to say, obviously, you can never watch a movie or never watch a YouTube video. But there's there's productive rest, and mm-hmm. then there's just kind of brain-dead rest. And mm. there's not necessarily anything wrong with, with what I call brain-dead rest every now and then. 
But I think you're right. You know, how am I going to be restful on the Saturday? I know, Brandon, you do a lot with woodwork. Well, if you're doing a woodworking project. Yeah, that's restful for me. That's, that's restful, yeah. but you have something productive at the mm -hmm. end of it and you feel good. Um, and so even asking, I remember uh, I had a seminary professor once who suggested that reading is one is the best form of entertainment. And I'm, a, I'm ashamed to say that me and my classmates kind of, you know, thought that that was a little bit overkill. But as I've gotten older and hopefully a little bit wiser, I've realized his point in that is when you spend recreational time reading, you become a better reader. Mm -hmm. And when you're a better reader, you can read God's word better. So, yeah, you, you know, there's nothing wrong necessarily with watching a movie. But if reading a book instead of reading a movie means that you become a little bit better reader, well, when you come to read God's word, you're going to understand it better. And again, I didn't quite get that at the time. And um, as I've come to look back on that, I thought, wow, there, there's a lot of wisdom in that. How am I going to redeem and make the most of that time? Yeah. How am I going to redeem my rest? <laughs> Even though something's not wrong, is it best or is it the most that we could be doing with that time? And just an example, I, I had to redo a bathroom in my house the last couple of weeks because my children flooded it. And honestly, I, I enjoyed it, it, it but it was something um, that produced something at the end. And it was satisfying for me. Yeah. So um, let's kind of uh, wrap this up a little bit and let's bring this home. And uh, I know that we've got a lot of people who are listening who are stuck at home and this, okay, how do we use our rest time productively? Obviously, right now, uh, God has given Americans a season of rest and um, some, some Americans a season of rest. Obviously, if you're in the medical field or uh, certain other essential jobs, you don't feel very rested right now. But I know that for a lot of people, they're at home you know, I think of, of moms who have, you know, four kids at home and everybody's just stuck at home and we're not going to church on the weekends. We're not going to church on Wednesday. And, I, you know, our church, obviously, we have some uh, virtual services that are available, but a lot of people have extra time on their hand. And I'm, I'm sure that there are people who are listening who are asking the question, how do we use this rest time well? How do we stay productive during this time? Do you guys have any thoughts or suggestions along those lines? I think it is interesting that something that we would often bring up before all this happened, if we were to say, what are some problems even with our own country? And the families have fallen apart. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, God is given the opportunity where families are forced to stay together. And uh, it, it makes me just think that some of that redeeming of that time should certainly be poured into family. If you don't have a consistent family habit of family devotions, this is a great time to start it. Um, you could have a family worship time where you sit at the piano of someone in your family's musical and you sing together. Um, but a lot of that, I know that this is the first thing that comes to a lot of people's mind, but meaningful, godly, redeemed family time is really important. Yeah, and I've, I've noticed that as well, it, just kind of as a personal testimony here. Um, I'm In the evening sometimes, I can feel like when I have a lot going on, like family time is wasted time. And I hate saying that, um, but I'll have schoolwork or I'll have a project that I'm working on for church and um, I'll just feel like I've got to be getting this done. And to just sit, you know, in my daughter's bedroom and to read her a book or to take half an hour and help my wife put her to bed, for me, can feel like I'm wasting time. And I have to stop myself and say, no, this is good. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, this is important. This is essential for me to take an hour when I get home in the evenings and play with my daughter. That's a good thing. That's not being lazy. That's the right kind of rest. And it's interesting, um, just the way you know, our own sinful flesh works. You know, I start doing that and my mind's like, we got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do that. And then I start sitting back and, you know, maybe start scrolling through social media or, you know, start uh, engaging in some of my own hobbies. 
And all of a sudden, I don't hear that voice anymore. And so I think you're exactly right. I just wanted to touch on that, Andy, that we're not wasting time to just take time and devote them to our families. Yeah, I mean, you read Deuteronomy 6, and throughout the Bible, you see the family is the core of biblical discipleship. And for, for Christians, can we make more of the time that we've been given? And for me, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell the teens this all the time, but there are two things that are currently on this earth um, that are going to last forever that you can invest in. And I tell them it's, it's God's word and it's people that have souls that are going to live forever. And we're told to lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven. And what an opportunity for me as a parent um, to be able to lay up treasures in heaven into my children, into my wife, into my family. And we do that by investing in, ter- in eternal things. Um, invest in God's word, which will in turn help us to overflow into our families. Um, and as Andy alluded to, uh, you can find articles about being, how being stuck at home 24-7 has ruined marriages and yeah. relationships. And there's the downside of it. Um, but again, how do we redeem it? And I would hate for my family to look back at this time years from now and we say, hey, do you remember that time we were stuck in the house together for two months? And they say, yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> um, that would break my heart. Um, I want them to look back and say like, yeah, that was awesome. And, and we learned a lot. Um, and so try to create memories with it. But also one thing for me that stuck out, I'm trying not to talk too long, is neighbors. Man, yep. I go out on a walk and I'm like, what is this, the 1950s? I mean, like, Indianapolis sit- became Mayberry overnight. Yeah, people are sitting <laughs> on their porches, sitting on lawn chairs, and I'm able to stop and talk to them. Um, and I've never met them before in different parts of my neighborhood. And it's really cool to have some of those opportunities and to be able to point them to our, our church's electronic um, resources for them. And uh, we, can, we can invest them and make that a gospel opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can we redeem that time? Invest in people and invest in God's word. I was thinking the same thing about neighbors too. Yeah. It's like it's very often we'll, we'll say, hey, invite someone, you know, and do our families know lost people? And I hope we do. But, I mean, sometimes even when um, we've just gotten so involved in the, the different spheres we're in, um, all of a sudden all those spheres are gone. And it's like, do we know the lost? Do we even know our neighbor? And that, that can often be a convicting question. Well, the Lord's given us a wonderful opportunity now to definitely get the chance to know our neighbors. I think it's hilarious the way that some of the people who usually would put their head down and, and keep yeah. walking by look up and they actually, like, wave. It's like, we're not the South. I've never lived in the South. But, hey, random <laughs> people are waving. And, uh, and it's just a good opportunity to be able to get to know people better in your neighborhood and let them get to know you. So when those opportunities come later, you've you've built that relationship during this unique time. Yeah, I've got this one neighbor in, in my neighborhood. When I walk by his house, he comes out and says hi. His name is Pastor Andy. Yeah. So. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. Really we fun. we do we live in the, the same neighborhood. Brandon and Andy are uh, neighbors. And <laughs> He's on the other end of the cove. Yeah. They want me to feel left out. Sorry, that's okay. Man. No, that's fine. Um, but uh, one last question as we wrap up, and I know that we have obviously singles and teens and others listening, but. Um, as we think about Bible study, both individually and with the family, what are some good ways that people can utilize this time as they study God's Word together? Well, I have, it might sound like I have a personal uh, issue with this, but like being able to memorize even the, the Kids for Truth verses with your family, and mm. um, I think those are pretty... Uh, that's our Wednesday, that's our normal Wednesday night ministry. We're doing it Thursday nights now for the kids. But when this first started, I thought, man, with all this time, I wonder if kids are going to be more productive. And it's been pretty hard with, with families learning to do their education at home and everything. Yeah. But, you know, I think that is a wonderful double-edged sword in a sense. You can use it for the kids, you know, memorizing for their 
for the church time, but it's also the the way the book is structured and the opportunities and the questions it asks, I think could really lead well for a family devotion time. And uh, memorizing God's word together is, unfortunately, it's probably a very rare quality of any family. Hmm. And, uh, and yet we're right now have a wonderful opportunity to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a good option is always maybe just to take a book and read through it together and say, hey, come back tomorrow, study it on your own a little bit, and then we'll discuss it. And I think a great book would be Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of um, topics about family in, in that passage. Um, but then also Pastor Andy hit on a little bit, memorizing some scripture together. Um, one helpful hint that I, I've been told and it's been shared with me is, if you have kids of an age who are able to do this, maybe give them the responsibility, hey, you're going to lead family devotions tonight. And that'd be really cool to see them. Mm. It's going to force them to get in the word on their own and be able to learn how to communicate God's word. Um, I think that'd be really helpful. Let me just say too, you know, I know a lot of this is family and I, I keep coming back to the singles in my mind because I'm the singles pastor. I know that we have, you know, we have singles, uh, whether they're young adults, whether they're widows or widowers. Um, or whether we have, you know, couples that don't have kids. I think as we think more mm-hmm. broadly and generally, um, you can still have community. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. getting on Zoom or Google Hangouts or Facebook Messenger isn't the same as being there in person. But re- if you're wanting to study God's Word in community, you can still reach out to people and set up a Bible study. Now, I'll be honest, as we do all of this stuff, uh, a lot of the free time that we have kind of begins to dissolve away. And that's one of the things I've noticed um, obviously, I'm still able to uh, work, as you can hear right now. Um, but I have found that, you know, in some ways, y- you can almost be busier if you try and do all of these things. And there's a part of my flesh that says, oh, no, but this is supposed to be this is supposed to be our time. This is supposed to be relaxing. And, you know, we've got I've got single focus on Tuesday and the church meeting on Wednesday. And we're doing a single focus hangout on Friday. And, you know, we're still doing stuff on Sunday. And I'm still working, you know, and you can almost begin to feel like, well, I I thought we were going to have all this downtime. And as you begin to add all these things in, and I know that we've got deacons uh, that are setting up meetings, and perhaps I know that there's some um, small groups that are continuing to meet. Um, we're going to be launching a hermeneutics class. There's just a lot of things where you start to feel like, hey, my schedule's kind of getting full again. That's okay, too. Um, it's okay, and, and let's use this time to really grow closer to God and go deeper in His Word and grow closer to one another as we study His Word together. So I, that's a lot to say there, but just to say, you know, Look to, look to reach out and set something up, perhaps, if, if you don't have anyone. And a, a phrase that I try to say to myself often is, am I producing more than I'm consuming? Hmm. And the temptation during this time is to be, when we've mentioned it, is to be consumers and to uh, consume media constantly. Um, and when that, But then that starts to control you. 1 Corinthians 6, 12, anything that controls you is, is wrong. Um, so being productive in those relationships and not just trying to consume and look for other people to invest in me, but look to invest in other people. Just a quick text from somebody means a lot when I receive that. And I've received multiple from people in our church. That's a huge encouragement. Yeah. I just wanted to give a couple other brief thoughts just when we're asking the question, what, so how should this look at home? Right. We were hitting on that a little bit. The the two factors I think we'd be remiss to not mention, I think prayer should obviously become a major part of our homes now. And I know our church is trying really hard to make that intentional, but praying with your kids, mm-hmm. they, letting them hear you pray, or or if you're singles, like Ben was saying, praying with each other or, or taking just more consecrated time by yourself to, to walk with God. Um, it, we'd be remiss if we got to the end of this time and we didn't mention prayer. And the other thing I think we should make 
a bigger part is godly music in our home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, allowing that to fill our minds and our thinking, even as we're doing other things. Um, if you're doing house projects or whatever, but having music around the home and in your family devotion, singing with your family. That's the um, biggest thing I miss from church. Yeah. Not singing together. Yeah. But we, but certainly should still be happening at home. Yeah. And, uh, so those are just two aspects I felt like if we'd be remiss if we missed saying that we need to make sure prayer is a part of this redeeming the time and even music as a part of redeeming the time. That's good. Well, thank you, everyone, uh, for listening. We hope that this has been a help to you. Uh, this is a very odd time in our nation's history. This is not a time that any of us would have chosen, but we know from Ephesians 5 that this is a time that God has a plan for. And so we, as his followers, desire to be wise, to be discerning, to discover what the will of the Lord is, and then by his grace to do that and live faithfully so that one day we can hear from him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.